This podcast is brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. Hello everyone. Welcome to another edition of WTHK. This is a podcast brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. My name is Pedro Dorantes and I'm joined once again by both halves of the Hunt Brothers. Chris, how are you doing? I'm not doing too badly. Thank you, Pedro. I've got a fair bit to talk about this week, which is interesting. And finally, races are kicking off. So uh, very happy on this end of the pond. Alex, how are you doing on the same end of the pond? May, may I add? Uh, I'm doing much better this week. I'm allowed outside again. It's a win. COVID is gone, right? <laughs> and it is typical. The one time they don't freaking show, they didn't, don't show the F1 testing is the one we come off. <laughs> 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 yeah, your your brilliant excuse to watching testing somehow fell through. I know it's <laughs> up a bloody creek without a paddle. <laughs> so there's quite a bunch of topics to talk about because even when the world seems to go crazy, there was always sport to kind of sort of rely on. But at least in our sport, in motorsports, um, it seems things are going just as crazy as the rest of the world. Has is now sponsorless, at least for the time being. It's interesting. It's it's interesting. It's not sponsorless. They're just not showing the sponsors currently. Whether or not that will change very soon, I would not be surprised by. And with the um, recent considerations of uh, Michael Andreski looking to get away into Formula One, it'll be interesting to see if that goes. Um, just as a side note, by the way, the fact we're talking about this is not obviously to detract from what is happening in that part of the world right now. It's yeah. just meant to be a pleasant distraction from what's going on in that part of the world right now. And it's it's also the part that I guess the part that sort of it's I'll call it our responsibility, right? I mean, we're not war correspondents. All we can do is talk about how this affects F1, I guess. Exactly. We're, we're, we're not in a position to do any, you know, <laughs> great things of action, but we're also not in a position to support it, which obviously none of us do. Um, and interestingly, that comes across to, in a, in a rather bizarre way, to Nikita Mazepin at this point. I've seen quite a few interesting comments being thrown at him uh, at social media. And while, yes, Nikita Mazepin has done quite a lot wrong, he is, of course, not to be slandered in this way for what is happening right now. Granted, it's not Parson to make a comment that may be supporting it, not to suggest that he would. Um, but obviously, yeah, right now in the current state of things, the two situations are reasonably uncomparable. The one thing that we can compare it to is the fact that the sponsorship has taken a, um, a rather interesting stance. And yes, from our position, that's what we're going to talk about. We're, this is not a political podcast. This is not something like that. We are not obviously supporting it. We obviously all condone it. But as we say, we are obviously just going to do what we do best here, which is talk about motorsport. Indeed. Or nonsense, whatever comes first. <laughs> <laughs> <That's it. laughs> Could this be the end, guys, for um, Nikita Massapin? Or even I for think Hass as a whole? I, I think Hass as a whole, no. Because now that they're looking to get franchise teams, there's a, that is a worth a lot of money uh, as a whole. But Nikita is ooh, he's a little bit in danger here. I don't know if he makes Bahrain. I don't think yeah. he makes the test at this point. Um, it's an interesting sort of thing with the um, news that F1 were kind of floundering for a little bit about the Russian Grand Prix. And then today, as of uh, February the uh, 25th, announcing that the Sochi Grand Prix won't go ahead. Um, yes, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Obviously, he doesn't race under the Russian flag. He races under the um, RAF. Is that what they call it? Uh, Perfect, which has a yes. Versailles, has the a Russian Automotive Federation. 
I believe. As a Brit, I find that incredibly offensive regardless. Um, but um, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yes, it's an interesting situation right now. Um, I think the thing to consider as well is if if uh, if the main sponsors, if, I don't I never know how to pronounce it. Uracali, your your Uracali, Ural Cali, Ural is in Ural the Ural Mountains. If they point out what source of money do they really have, obviously they got Haas, which are going to be supporting them in some way, shape, or form. But we know Gene's position at this point. Um, is this going to be the tipping point that says, okay, screw it, <laughs> I'm out? And Andretti, uh, instead of waiting till 2024 to come in. Alex is shaking his head. What's what's your opinion, bro? Because Gene Haas has got an awful lot of money hanging around that he's not. That the reason he's not spending on F1 is because he hasn't been competitive and hasn't really fancied it. He now has to put his hand in his pocket, and the more he puts his hand in his pocket now, the more rewards he gets in four or five years' time. Potentially, that's, that's no, 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 factually, no, factually, because okay. of the budget cap, because you've got 140 million from now on, and the monies that can now be earned. Look at Red Bull. They're, they're in the black. They've made over 100 million this year already, and they haven't even turned a wheel in anger because of their sponsorship deals. They spend 140 million. Yes, there's a few other expenditures, but make it 150 mil. They've still made a good 50, 100 million dollars already just mm. through sponsorship, not even winnings. So that every team will have that ability. Yes, most teams won't get 100 million from a, an American uh, technology company. But you'll, all teams will be making profit within three years. Okay, interesting. And if he hangs on, because the, this is the one thing Liberty Media are doing quite well, is that they're going for a franchise model, much like NFL or uh, the Major League Baseball, where all the teams are self-sustaining, profit-making organisations. And it's going to happen. And whilst I don't like the idea that Andretti are going to get kicked out because the FIA haven't opened up their tender, wankers uh, the concept of franchise teams in f1 work because there is no relegation and promotion it has always been about money and just getting yourself in there and being and then once you're there literally it is a meritocracy based around money but the best people will always become raised to the top look at adrian you're at layton house yeah it's the the money that's about to go through f1 through the teams and personnel is going to go through the roof and the longer gene has can hang on the richer he's going to be so I don't think he leaves I think and that's why Andretti want their own team now because although it take money to set up within five years they're in profit it's all about sustainability and well, a sustainable financial model for Liberty Media because it's, they've got 10, 11, 12 even 12 healthy teams they're sorted That that's 20 years sorted so it's, yeah, in the long term, it's in Hass's interest to stay in the sport. Now, uh, going, taking a little bit of a shorter term, uh, term route, who's going to take up for, you know, whatever the name of the company is? I mean, could we see that other, I think it's a German bank, the other sponsor, you know, mixed sponsor. Could we see them take over the car? Oh, I don't know. I don't by, know what. And by that, I mean just showing up their logo, not actually just taking control of the finances of the team. It wouldn't surprise me for the short term, uh, Earl Cali maintain the main sponsor, just so whatever happens in the coming months, they can still say, "Okay, no, we're coming back into it now. This is ours again." It wouldn't surprise me for the short term they keep their grip on it just in case. 
So they won't be an immediate investment, I imagine. Uh, but it'll be the plain white livery with the house on the outside, which to be fair, I actually quite like the look of. Um, but yeah, I don't know if they'll they'll keep a holding it for a little bit because let's face it, it's pocket money. They can do it for a couple of months. I don't know if they'll do that and then see what happens afterwards. Um, I imagine they wouldn't be so reluctant to let go straight away because I know it's been quite an investment, as I've said. I, I know I just called it pocket money, but overall, the investment they've made is going to be quite significant. It wouldn't surprise me if they try and keep it for a little bit and then, depending on what happens in the next couple of months, whether further developments arise then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, it's fine. It's all right for Euro Cali because they they don't need to be going to each race and getting visas done. Nikita Maspin does. And when these issues start coming into it, that's that's game over for him. Because let's say it's the whole season's taken out. He's not getting into America or Mexico or Canada anytime soon. He's not getting into most of Europe. Uh, he can probably get into the Middle East, but it's nah. The I would say Nikita is in more of a danger zone than Ural Cali at the moment. Mm. It, it is, it is ironic i guess and somewhat fitting at the same time because we sort of i sort of had the sense that um nikita masipin wasn't going to be out of the sport because of being you know a bad driver Mm. rather circumstances outside of his driving ability and at the same time it's almost almost laughable that this kind of stuff has to happen in order for him to leave the team yeah. Well, I but think the real test hadn't actually happened yet. I think had had Haas been competitive this year, which in fact they might be, if if Mick Schumacher's constantly scoring points and Mazepin's always at the back being useless, I don't think he survives. On the basis you cannot be that bad. All pay drivers, pretty much all pay drivers in the last ten years, are good drivers. Stroll, major pay driver. His dad, daddy bought a team, but he's a good driver. He's got. He's got podiums. He knows what he's doing behind the wheel of a car. Mazepin didn't show that very often last year, and that that is that is a that is a gap that you can't. It's a circle you can't square. He's still a step above the Del Dellas of this world, though. I mean, he did win races in Formula Two. Let's it's, not take that who, away. From who? Him. Who? And let's see a Del Della, Delada, 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 Delada. Those guys. Alessio Delada. Ragnar Gunagorgo fan as well. Seeing as I can pronounce every name correctly, um, and Lewis <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, um, but yeah, um, seeing as he still won races in Formula Two, he's shown that there is at least a shred yeah. of talent in there. I mean, let's face it: if you put me in a Formula Two car, I would probably have a decent chance of dying. Um, but at least Nikita Mazepin actually got you know he he's got some sort of cred- credibility behind his name. Granted, he threw away every ounce of that credibility with his social media antics and also being himself, but he's not the most talentless driver we've ever seen in Formula One. Not by a long shot. And, oh, God, and no. Well, no. But like, so that's the thing. It's not like he's literally just paid his way in there. He has had some mild successes at least, which might make you think, oh, with a year of getting used to the car, seeing as his teammate also needs a year to get used to most sort of formula as it is. Granted, I don't think that's actually going to happen this year. I don't think he's suddenly going to become a Wunderkid uh, or the uh, Russian uh, Russian equivalent. Um, but at least it's, it's still not coming from bare nothing. Granted, as you say, going to your point, Lance Stroll, Lance Stroll had much more success in his previous years. And in his first year, still got a podium with a Williams. Uh, granted, Nikita couldn't do that in last year's Haas. I don't think he could do it in 2017's Williams. Um, but yeah, it's not... 
it's not an example of the worst driver just getting put into a role. There has been a bit of success at least, even though he did spoil some of those successes by trying to ram Yuki Tsunoda with the pit ball. Yeah, he, well, the, the way to look at it is he earned, he earned a super license. Yeah, that's and a very that, good that, thing. That's, that, that's the criteria, and he's done it fair and square. Um, it's not like it's Hector Rabak who's yeah. coming from the middle of nowhere. But I, I could go through so many names of drivers from the 90s. It's <laughs> yes, quite a few, aren't there? Well, yeah, the, there the, thing I, the thing I love... the one. The things that were particular, the ones that were particularly bad, even had nicknames. Like, um, I remember being like uh, getting F on 2013 and be like, "Oh, who's Ivan Capelli?" And you're like, "Ivan Crapelli." And I was like, "Oh, he must be bad." <laughs> Admittedly, that one's a harsh one because Capelli was all right, but it's just quite easy to make Crapelli work. <laughs> well, that's where Mazaspin comes right. into it. He's one of those Mazaspin. Mazaspin, yeah, Mazespin. exactly. Who was the driver who got ran over by a safety car? Yeah, oh, oh, oh Japanese um, guy. Oh gosh, I know him. I follow him on, on Twitter. He's so fucking hilarious. I. That's Wait, really annoying. He's... Oh, just that. I'm on a. Yeah, that's really annoyed me now. <laughs> that's that used to be a name that came to mind so quickly. I'm annoyed at myself. I when know, it's what, that? It's when what happens were... when you can't start closing in in your thirties, Chris. <laughs> Akianui. Akianui, yes. <laughs> Taki Nui, who famously went, I too, I too retired in my first race in Formula One, Nikita, but at least I made it more than 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, weird, the horrible thing about Taki Nui, he was all right when he wasn't in F1. Oh, yeah. Just, as, yeah. as with many drivers, amazing out of F1 yeah. and F1. Yeah. 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 Huge E day, for example. <laughs> now, flip, flip, guys. Now, oh, go ahead. I was saying flip, 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 UGE day. <laughs> take yeah. that license away. <laughs> yeah. Flip, 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 take that license away. There's a song in there. Hearing <laughs> me. So let's assume that Matipin is out of the team as of this very moment. Is there any expectations for uh, Fiti Pali? Um, it's Pietro Fittipaldi, right? Would be the one replacing yes. him. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, I my expectations would be the same as a reserve driver stepping in. Uh, let's let's take a very a very uh, let's take let's take a good example. Let's take Paul De Resta at the 2017 Hungarian Grand Prix. Oh, um, somebody who surpassed all expectations. <laughs> <laughs> Paul De Resta did damn well in that race, and I will die on that hill. Um, no, Pietro Fittipaldi. He's 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 put himself well in social media. People like him on Twitter. He did well on the um, the many esports events that we had last year. Uh, during the pandemic so people will be happy to see him there at least um regarding his quality on the track i'm not too sure how that would be uh, i think there's quite a few drivers that possibly should get a phone call in advance maybe antonio giovanazzi i know he's got some formulary things coming up but that would be a solid person to put back in the car i feel solid as opposed to someone who's a complete rookie then suddenly being shoved into a full race weekend you know we've yeah. got to remember fittipaldi's done two he's not he's a complete done... rookie remember and he's he not, didn't he, embarrass he himself he did secure as well. He didn't embarrass himself. Um, he, no. Did he do better or worse than Jack Aitken? Uh, I think Aitken was in front. It was front around. He was I a bit behind Aitken, I think, at secure. I think, yeah, I think Aitken was in front until he smashed and fucking destroyed George's race. Um, but apart think, from that, no, 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 no. Don't blame Aitken. Don't blame Aitken. Blame Pirelli. <laughs> <laughs> blame Mercedes. That is a good. That's the conspiracy Actually, theory. Actually, yeah, as you well. could. 
<laughs> I will blame Mercedes. Oh no, we got the tires wrong. Sorry, George. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, guys, you can set the bar really, really low for Fittipaldi. If you just look at that one Mexican guy, Force India had at testings one time, one single time. Remember that, that guy? Was that Chelis Jr.? Yes, was that like Antonio Chelis Jr.? Yes. Antonio Celis, that guy. Oh, is it Celis? I'm, I'm pronouncing yeah, that wrong. Celis. I do apologize. And That's a while ago, that is. I think that was before session, they were pink. One yeah. session, he crashed the car and we never heard from him anyway, ever oh, again. Dear. It's the complete opposite of Winklehock. <laughs> oh, Winklehock was a genius. Marcus! Uh, yes. <laughs> I think going into a race weekend, if I saw Nikita Mazepin and Pietro Fittipaldi as teammates, my expectation for both would be probably similar. I think I'd probably hold them in similar regard. I would hope Fittipaldi would oh, do better. Harsh. And I would and hope Fittipaldi. Fittipaldi would do I would hope Fittipaldi would do better. I just don't know enough about him. So from my perspective, watching him suddenly in a race weekend, I would expect him to as good to do as good as Nikita Mazepin, if not better. Mm-hmm. Well, well saved. Well saved. Thank you. Thank you. There's no way you're wearing... that one, <laughs> <laughs> Oh Jesus Christ. Um I tell you what, should we move on to the livery chat? Because we were talking about this a lot in the group. <laughs> no, that, that, I think that's, that's their main event. Bit. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's the main event. Oh, yeah, that's our main oh. Event. ladies what's, and gents. What's what's on your shirt? LSU. Uh, Chris. Oh, the Tigers. Yeah. yeah. Go, Tigers. What? What? Go Tigers. Go Tigers. LSU, Louisiana, Louisiana State University football team. The boring version of, of uh, rugby. Oh, so it's, it's American football, is it? Yeah, yes. it is. I, I it's can't American, say I've ever heard of them. It's, it's American hand egg. Team. It's American hand egg. Hand egg. <laughs> <laughs> it's college hand egg, may I add. Who, uh, uh, who are egg. they? Who are they? Louis- I've never heard of Louisiana. Them. Fair enough. I've... So Louis- So basically, each state has a college team. This is Louisiana's one. And they won back in 2019, I think. Um, they won oh. the, the state championship back then. Um, it's basically college football is like a bit before... American football, but often there's quite you a few people NFL, who watch, right? Yeah, people who people watch quite a bit of uh, college football don't then progress onto NFL. They just stick with college. They like that more bizarrely. And strangely enough, LSU have I think the fourth biggest stadium in the world for a college football team. Bizarrely, when you say <laughs> in the mind, world, you basically mean in America. Yeah, exactly. I think, no, <laughs> I think the biggest ones in China. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not biggest. It's My not bad. biggest American. It's not biggest American football stadium. It's biggest stadium. Isn't that North oh. Korea? Sorry. Isn't that North Korea? Possibly that. Who knows? Oh, yeah, boy. I think they have a stadium that fits like a hundred, three thousand people or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there might be something about that. I, I, rec- I recall the, something um, like that. So, Chris, before my call dropped, and I just vanished from this conversation you were essentially um praising a team that i have never actually watched play uh, which is funny because they're the only team i have watched play uh, i got a friend who's obviously big into lsu and louisiana in general so she kind of got me into it um so i've watched them play on a few occasions and yeah it's 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 a sport to be watched with friends certainly uh, you know, i know very little about it i know lsu have the just looked up in the off break the eighth largest stadium in the world overall um, and yeah, it seems like a bit of fun. I know they have quite a few players who progress into the NFL, which is a source of pride for many of them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a similar sort of thing. I was saying to Alex as well, it's kind of bizarre how sometimes college football is more 
like followed in some cases than the NFL. Meaning, like, could you imagine more people being like, "Yeah, Formula Two"? No, I'm not watching Formula One. Screw that. I watch more NASCAR than Formula One. I mean, oh, but that's that's different. That's that's NASCAR is the premier yeah. stock racing category. I would sure, say, yeah, yeah, stock car racing. Yeah, it'd be yeah. it'd be like watching the Indy Lights and going, "No, nah, I'm not watching Indy Lights." I mean, but that happens a lot in places where there is no um, NFL market. Hmm. And there are actually places in which NFL knows that if they get in there, they're going to get crushed. Oh, I see. Interesting. Like the NFL, the NFL could not compete in any sort of way with uh, Alabama in college football. There's no way. Hello, guys, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Where the Hell is Hand Egg? Uh, <laughs> I will say that this is my one and only appearance on said podcast because I'm out of my depth here. I don't know what's going on. We're talking about an egg-shaped ball, but it's in America, so I don't get it. It looks like That's, a rugby ball with stitches. I barely get and the yes, one in Britain. And to relate it to the Six Nations, Alex, the Italians somehow still lose. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, there's a lot of markets with, with no NFL team that have a lot of pride in their um, in their teams, and you know there's cool. So there's there's pride there's pride whether they win or lose. The, the team that I get right next to me crossing the border is it absolutely sucks, and people love them to that. Hmm. Interesting. It's it's a def- it's definitely thing we can't consider because in Britain certainly the the main example of the sporting category is the one that most people follow premier league for example uh, for football formula 1 for motorsport um it's interesting i don't know if it's because of the size of our country um which isn't is you might you might have picked up is not quite as big as america or mexico or anywhere um but it's it's one of those things i don't know if that's one of the things that factors into it possibly <laughs> now um i was going to say something else we forgot it you're watching the wrong sport. The, the proper college sport is baseball. Ah, I'd love, to, I'd love to watch baseball. Because I, I feel like I'd be mildly not crap at baseball. I'd like to watch it for that. For that it's alone. rounders. Love, we exactly. grew up playing it. Just, no, it's no, just no, got smaller bats. It's just smaller bats. That's all it is. No, no. There Actually, is no okay. season where the workouts are hard enough as they are. Leave the rounders <laughs> thing alone. <laughs> I recently learned my favorite baseball story. And back in the late 80s, early 90s, there's a huge thing about baseball cards, which is still huge today, as I know. And there's basically one guy, I forget what team he played for, I forget his name. Um, But he had a practice bat, uh, which he loved. He's better than all the others. So he wrote something on it so he'd never forget it. And what he wrote in it was fuckface. So he always knew to become like, this is my favorite bat. And then there was a time where they had the promotional team photographs. And somehow he picked up his practice bat instead of his actual bat. And just happened to have it facing the right way. This was apparently by accident, where it said "hot face" on the on the heel of the bat, posting it. They saw this, sent out a first few, like a couple of hundred or so. Saw it, went shit. Kids are buying this. Bring it back. Bring it back. And it's now a ridiculously sought after collector's item. <laughs> God bless the Toronto Blue Jays. Is that him? Was it him? Yeah, that's, that, that was his team from the Toronto. Real. Blue I can only imagine it as Lewis Hamilton popping up with twat written on his helmet and going, no, 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 it's my practice helmet. No, 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 no. <laughs> now, um, let's move on to American sports, but not actually like sports and wheels. 
IndyCar is coming back, guys. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I, am, I was excited last year. I am buzzing this year. I am so excited for IndyCar this year. Any predictions for the race? Pilot's going to win Ooh. every single race. <laughs> going to qualify every time. It's it's hard. It's hard not to be on Calamalet's side. It's hard not to be on McLaren's side. For me personally, I was for Pato last year. I'm chi- all, all chips in for Pato Award this year. I'm hoping McLaren can pull it through. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that can happen. I hope Rosenquist as well in the other McLaren. If he wins it, I'll be also very happy. Uh, I want Grosjean to do well. I want Ericsson to. There's no one I don't want to do well. <laughs> well, guess, I'm guess so excited. Who- my understanding is they've had practice one, and guess who came first in that session? Grosjean. Yes. No, seriously. Yes. Uh, from what I understand, yes. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Here's my prediction. I want Pato Award to win, and I very selfishly don't want him to go to F1. Hmm. Interesting. Yes, I would like to see a Mexican driver be a, a three-time IndyCar champion, a four-time IndyCar champion, because, I mean, of course, a award could essentially be that first guy, right? But Checo Perez is not going to win a world championship. Not so much, no. Yeah, this, that's an interesting call. To have someone who would have unparalleled success as opposed to just appearing in the sport and possibly being successful, yeah, what do you go for? And obviously... With most people in, with most people who have IndyCar as a focus as a career, most people would not give up significant success. And I feel like if Roman Grosjean knew he's going to be pretty good in IndyCar, he might have left a few years previously. Marcus Ericsson, the same, for example. If you told me I could spend two years in a Sauber, um, personally, I'd be overjoyed. Uh, if you could tell me I spent two years in a Sauber or spend one year in IndyCar and possibly win, I would probably substitute that immediately unless I had some huge financial backing in some case. Just because being an F1 must be a dream for so many people, but to flounder in Formula One must be devastating. And there's a prime example I give Jolien Palmer, who won the F2 championship, went into Formula One, got sacked half unceremoniously halfway through his second year and hasn't gone back to motorsport. I can only imagine somehow that damages confidence in racing, not even to go into any other event, any other kind of racing event. He's obviously got skill. I can only imagine something must have happened there that just completely sapped the desire to race. Or, or he saw his dad's business and went, oh, you know what? I want a piece of that. Can't you do both? Uh, possibly, but it depends. But given what else he does in F1, you've got to remember, it's not like he's out of the loop. He's massively in the loop. He's just not he's in the loop. But I sent this to Alex and a few friends earlier. I sent, I sent this saying, is a, is, a, is a column by him saying, uh, if I was a driver, I would have done this. And I just zoomed in on the comment saying, if I was a driver. Just getting closer and closer. Because the issue is as well, when you go into punditry, David Coulthard, for example, is a prime example. Not a, not a champion, got close. Uh, still won a fantastic amount of races, 13, I think, off the top of my head. Um, with Julian Palmer, if you don't achieve much success, I feel like that's somewhat undervalues a pundit, not from my personal opinion, but from people who I've known talk about Julian Palmer. And there's somebody I know who will shout my name nameless. Every time Julian Palmer comes up, he goes, nah, screw it, can't be asked. I'm not... <clears throat> Why am I going to listen to Jolien Palmer of all people? I think Jolien Palmer commands respect. He's had a significant history in motorsport. But the issue is going from one thing and then kind of almost looking like you're just ducking out into punditry. It does look a little bit unusual, I feel. Especially, it, does when especially you end, it does when you end like the way he did. Because yeah. 
Rosberg ended up on top and is now a pundit. You yeah, don't question exactly. that on the basis he went he out on the, the top. I think if Palmer, if Palmer was, was pretty still, much destroyed both seasons. Yeah. If you're still doing like WEC or something, something like that, something to say that he's still kind of doing it, like Paul DeResta, um, then you get a different example of things, I feel. Um, but having someone who had that and then dipped out at the very pinnacle to not even try and reinvent himself in some way, which I feel like Callum Arnold is doing incredibly successfully, depending on how this season goes, that does somewhat make you question a few things unintentionally, I feel. No, uh, get really him in a touring car, it'll be fine. Yeah. His dad owns most of the circuit, so he knows where all the little sensors are for corner cutting, so it'll be fine. When you drink, drive never. So, um, <laughs> going back to IndyCar, guys, uh, there's one little... Yes, yes. Uh, Sorry, I forgot that was the topic. <laughs> Um, ranty, ranty, yeah. Chris. I forgot what I was going to say. IndyCar, we're making uh, predictions. We're... Yeah, but I made my prediction. I was going to say something else. All right, I'll make my prediction. I yeah, think go we're going to see a record broken, and Scott Dixon's going to win another championship. Ooh, Dixon. I wouldn't mind that actually. I would love that. I, I think don't underestimate Dixon Newgarden this season. Because we were going, oh, look at Palo. Oh, look at O'Ward. Oh, look at Ilop. And then you've got Dixon and Newgarden sitting there going, <laughs> you really going to forget about us? Really? To be, honest, yeah. to be honest, that's sort of the guy over in this other world. He's sort of like um, the open wheel version of Kyle Busch. Hmm. Yes, you might not be hyped about him. And yes, he might not make much noise. But you know he's going to be there. And, oh, yeah. and people don't really have to say it. I mean, he's going to be there, and you know it. He is the he is like willpower. He's been there so long. He was there when there was two series of IndyCar. Yeah, that's how long he's been there. Thoughts about Pagano, Alex? He's a, he's a name you skip past. Yeah. Fair how enough, can you Pagano? He's, he's when he's on it, he's good. But when he's not on it. He's absolutely nowhere. He's not even close. I don't know whether that's just because of the car, whether he's, or he's just not that good. But when he won the title in the Indy 500, he was properly on it and was properly good. But then most, was it last year? I think it was last. There, there was one year when he just, maybe 2019, he just didn't exist in the top 10. Hmm. Okay. That, that was, the, was coming from, from his uh, broken hip. I think it was, but it's you'd expect glimpses. Okay, like Michael Schumacher comes back from a broken leg, and he qualifies pole the first time he comes back. Pagano's just not shown anything. Okay. Pagano broke his hip. <laughs> I'm trying to defend the guy. I mean, I know I'm, I'm, I'm on Pagano. I, 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 there is uh, part of me. It, part of me still a bit annoyed what he did to um, Norris during the. Oh, the virtual Indy 500. Yeah, because <laughs> that that's that really did strike me because that's not just banter. That's full fat, go go away and rethink your life moment. Even <laughs> if virtual or not, it's no, you don't do that when you're meant to be in a serious race, whether it's on a computer game or in real life. It's you're getting paid to do this, so do it properly. Don't start taking people out. Hmm. 
not a mindset I like. Interesting. Um, one thing I was going to say... For Ego Crescenera is winning. I wouldn't say no to that at all. Also, another name that's not surfaced in the uh, plethora that you mentioned there, Alex, uh, Colton Herter. That's a very good point. To be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm in the mindset of Andretti are buying Hass and he's an F1 this year. So let, um, that's why they've got him. <laughs> oh, nice save. Um, oh, kind of. Yeah, I, to be honest, I forgot. But the main point was don't forget about Newgarden and Dixon hmm. was the main point of that, as opposed to leaving individuals like Herter out of the equation. I mean, you forgot about him, right? Is it sincerely no, but... forgetting Herter, right? But over here, they're not actually hyping him for the IndyCar season, but rather because of Ferrari this time around. Oh. There, there's, people, there's people, and I'm, I'm not going to quote who it was because I, I really can't remember who it was. But there was people in NBC Sports essentially pointing him out as a probable replacement for Nikita Masipin, just in case uh, you know they're not fine with the, the Fittipaldi. That, that is a strong possibility, yeah. I've heard that mentioned as well. Not on NBC. So there's that thing. What was that? Has he got super license points? Shouldn't matter, to be honest. Given what he's Mm. done in the series, he shouldn't need the super license. This this shouldn't come into it. So I hope. Yeah, but but this is Formula One, Alex. We know how it works. Yeah, that's a very good point. (laughs) Very true. So, yeah. Most of the media in this side of the pond is skipping him because either they're still like in the honeymoon phase of winning the twenty uh, the twenty four hours of Daytona, yes, and the variety thing, pretty much. Interesting. Because it, let's, interesting. Say, let's say Herta wins at St Pete this week weekend, then gets yep. shipped yep. off to Haas, and they turn out to be quite quick, and he wins a race in F one. Can you tell me the last person who won a race in IndyCar and F one in the same season? Nigel Mansell? No. Montoya. Separate seasons. No, not Montoya. Villeneuve? No, going further back than that. Hill? Uh, more recent than that. Jeez, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Pedro, any ideas? Same season, you said? Same season. I have no fucking clue. It's Mario. Oh, I was gonna say the thing. Fuck! Yeah. <laughs> he did it. You know what? Yeah. There's, there's also a listener going. It's Andretti. It's Mario. It's Mario Andretti. It's Mario. It's, it's Mario. Yes. Whoever that, if anyone is thinking, yes, it's Mario. Just say it's Mario Andretti. Please tweet us. Please tweet, tweet us. us our, let us know. Tweet us. You can be our guest on the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's mm. Mario Andretti in 1978. Mm. Mm. That is uh, that is an epic record. I want to see matched by Herta this year. In this day and age, that would be phenomenal. That would be brilliant, crazy. wouldn't it? It's it's the sort of thing of um Surtees winning a championship on two wheels and four in the same year. Yeah, it's stuff like that. You'd love to see yeah. it. It's Jim Clark winning, getting maximum points in F one, and then coming over to America and going, "I'm just going to win the Indy five hundred. I own yeah, this. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I own this as well. One more thing, guys, before we move on to the main event. Um, Chris, your thoughts on the other 500? Honestly, thoroughly enjoyed it. 
Um, I had I was very grateful to have you as my spotter, shall we say, uh, yes, helping me out with quite a few things. Um, it was interesting. Is I've not watched. I've obviously the NASCAR races I've watched so far have been on considerably smaller circuits. And to watch one on a fully fledged track and a track I have a higher amount of respect for, even though I didn't know geographically where it was, um, it was enjoyable to see the cars going pretty much full pelt. And yeah, great race. Um, I think the showdown we had at the end was appropriate and well done in comparison to a previous showdown that we might have seen recently. Not, not, not going to point any fingers at that one, uh, <clears throat> Michael Masi. Um, But to be, I thought it was an interesting race. I loved how much more of a technical insight I got this time. Because in my mind, it was always going to be the two rows and then they basically kind of like form into one because I've always seen the IndyCar races. Watching the two rows and then the inside row slowing down and then catching up and then slowing down again was actually fascinating because it was so unpredictable. It happened in moments I genuinely wasn't expecting. I was like, okay, they're too far back now. Suddenly one person falls in front, gets a bump, and that's it, they're off. That was amazing. Um, and, yeah. And from what I heard of all the worries of the cars not being able to do that this year, I thought the cars gave a damn good show. Now, Pedro, as as I proclaimed to you before, the NASCAR expert on this podcast, what did you think of the new cars and their entry? Did they were they good? Were they bad? How did you feel overall? Amazing. It's I mean, it's with NASCAR. It's what NASCAR has been asking for, for at least since 2017. You know, cars that can be competitive, lap after lap after lap. You're gonna have a race that you know you're going to have multiple cars on a lead lap essentially fighting for point positions instead of just having 35 cars lapped and just five fighting for, for you know not only for points but for a win um it's exciting it's good for tv it's brand new and furthermore it makes people like you and the other side of the world watch and it puts nascar in the global stage um mm. in which it should be mm. And now the big question, which I've seen a lot on Twitter, and I've seen a lot of consternation about this, uh, Bubba Wallace and his last lunge and the uh, the way he was denied of the win. I've seen people, it's 50-50 from what I've seen on Twitter, uh, people saying great driving, terrible driving, awesome attack, terrible defence. How did you feel about that? Because I know this is somebody who was, he's a fan favourite, people wanted him to do pretty well. And he looked like he was just within touching distance of that win. Quite a few people are pissed off he was denied in the manner that he was denied. How did you feel about that? Here's how I see it. Um, when you're fighting in the last lap of a race that's as big as this one is, and when you race as close, because this is a drafting race, as long as you don't wreck the car in front of you, like it happened last year, you're fine. Hmm. Okay, interesting. That's, that's a very interesting way of, of, of showing it, because that, you make a very good point that, yes, with these fine margins at these high speeds, if it doesn't cause a wreck, then surely it's not as serious as it looks. Obviously on TV cameras, because it looks so close with the walls so high and that sort of stuff. We saw those two have their little scrape and get away with it. And then immediately after them, a, a huge crash across the line, which was out of nowhere. You, you make a thoroughly good point there. Um, mm. We saw several huge crashes during the race. We saw um, the number 21 uh rolling on its roof there's an amazing camera point i forget who it's from as you see the car roll around and the guy driving it tried to drive away so safety measures too are obviously phenomenal now in this series indeed wait someone rolled over and tried to drive off they rolled over completely uh, completely over dented the roof and they attempted to drive away uh just to see if they could get it back not not to continue the race obviously but to try and get back into the pits they and unfortunately went- the 
they went full Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, Pretty much, yeah. And, it, if he could actually continue the race. <laughs> oh, Sorry? He could have actually continued the race. I mean... Yeah. Well, didn't Dale Earnhardt flip over and then win that race? Yes. Yeah. Mm. So it can if be that done. Hurt, if that car would have started, the only thing Harrison Burton would have to do is essentially just get a guy with a hammer to like reach under his car, hit it a little bit upwards because there's a Ford logo in there. And the rules say that your manufacturer logo cannot be damaged. Yes. If if the bit at the back, if the bit at the back would you, you know the name Ford or Chevy comes loose, you're automatically disqualified. What? what? That's that's why there's such issues with damage in um, F1 games. Uh, they can't do realistic damage because uh, sponsors don't want their sponsors being uh, misconstrued in any sort, in sort of way. So it actually runs into Formula 1 in a bizarre way too. That's why F1 is always, every time there's a crash, a significant chunk comes off or something like that or the wheel comes off. The sponsors are never affected. <laughs> but in this case, I mean, the sponsors can be affected because you can assume the back bit of your car is falling off. Just like like the slightest bit, you can pit and then tape it off completely. So like the back of your car is is full of you know gray tape. Oh, I see. Interesting. As long as it doesn't move and it doesn't cause debris, you're fine. Interesting. Yes. Right. Overall, something I did have to notice as well: the quality of racing was very good. There was no. Obviously, we saw Jacques Villeneuve getting overtaken quite a few times but he still had his moment he didn't have a particularly terrible 500 i would say um there was no dodgy racing it was all very for for that speed for that close and when you get the front bumper view it was a very clean race despite the fact we saw several incidents there was no driving standard issue i felt really overall no 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 and uh, i don't know if you've heard the term rubbing is racing or bumping is racing you know, the definition of clean changes a lot when you go to NASCAR, and this was as clean as you can get. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely as, phenomenal. As someone who's a Formula, Formula One fan and a BTCC fan, yeah, this seemed remarkably clean. And it seemed like a great way to kickstart the season. I mean, yes. I'm watching I'm watching the next race. <laughs> absolutely. is next. Fantastic. That's incredible. We're going, going to Los Angeles. Yeah. I'm up for that. I think watching it, I had a fantastic time as someone who's never seen a race like this before. The only thing I feel like it needs... It needs a couple of friends in a barbecue because it's the sort of thing, it's that sort of race. I was watching a stream bought legitimately uh, without any adverts. And during the moments where, okay, it's great at the beginning of a section, great at the end of a section. In the middle, it gets a little bit dubious at times. That's where, as Alex and I have had many times of Formula 1 races, a barbecue, a couple of mates, a couple of beers. And it's that's that seems like a perfect afternoon's entertainment. Yes, indeed. A um, couple of things, three things before we move into the main event, because I'm running out of time this time around. Um, we're going to Los Angeles or Fontana, Autoclub Speedway, or whatever you want to call it. Oh, it's, it's Fontana. I know that one from IndyCar. It's Fontana. It's a mile and a half. It has sweeping banking, so it's it's progressive. It sort of goes up like in a, in a grade instead of just going straight up like Daytona does. Okay, interesting. So we're going to have... At least four or five groups of uh, high speed racing. It's going to be quite entertaining. And uh, what else am I missing? My guy, Daniel Suarez, might do good. 
He was doing really damn well, and then he, uh, then he, uh, he, he was doing well. I was supporting him because of you. Basically, I also put a bet on him. Uh, I'm supporting him because of you. There's a few names as well. When you go into a motorsport for the first time, which there's very few motorsports I'm doing that for, you kind of need somebody to root for. And uh, Suarez is up there, and he had a he had a very good um, first section basically, and then just kind of fell apart a bit. How did you how do you feel about his performance overall? It's uh, for a team that's two years old, for a team that's owned by a pop singer, pretty much, and you know. Uh, it's very similar to to F1. I mean, just because it goes in circles around and around, it doesn't mean a new team's going to do well. Yeah. So for being a new team with a driver that doesn't necessarily come up as a top driver or an elite driver in the series, they're doing pretty well. Okay, good. Fair play. Now, the main event is up next, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Did you shine your balls, but for this, Alex? I do it for every podcast, Pedro. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna hold up the paper and we'll read it off the board spot. No, you're gonna no, you read it off the reflection in the board spot. Get it right. Oh my apologies, Alex. <laughs> I'm go- I think we can basically just let everyone know what's gone on. I've been given the top ten by Chris and Pedro. And number one gets twenty-five points, then eighteen, then fifteen, as it is in F1. So the, everyone sorry, gets like, points. The top ten what? Liveries. Sorry. There you go. So <laughs> the top the go. top ten Formula One 2022 season liveries. I'll keep count. Very good point. Yes, I forgot to do the whole thing. There we go. So yes, I I currently have the rankings in my hand, and I know who won, and I can tell you who came last with three points. Now, Alex, actually, first 75. first of all. First of all, Alex, can you actually give my top two, which weren't counted, I assume, because you're censoring me and you don't believe my views and you don't think they register or count. So can you please tell me what the top two of my choices were before you took them away from me cruelly? I was going to say the top two that you've put aren't have, don't have any relevance to 2022 livery Formula 1 cars. I'm dying on this hill, Alex. Deresta's <laughs> so, Force India is second for Chris's top two. Uh, he doesn't Woo! say which one, but it's, it shouldn't All be the twenty. It shouldn't be the twenty thirteen one. Just no. Twenty eleven. Um, and number one, as we have referenced multiple times on the Hutton Brothers YouTube channel, it's Mazakane's Minardi from two thousand. Yes. It's that horrible yellow and blue thing. Which we saw beautifully homaged by the Williams team with uh, high vis in the testing <laughs> this week, <laughs> and it was. Don't tell me that didn't look cool. Look like crap. <laughs> I tweeted oh, right. about it. I tweeted about it. <laughs> tell me it's a brand new car without telling me it's yes. actually a brand new car. <laughs> Great tweet. <laughs> so this means that every team has the opportunity to get seventy-five points. I will say no one got 75 points. Really? Oh, no. I genuinely thought one team would. I won't say which. I no. thought one team were going to get 75. No. Wow. But it does mean that with the literally the lowest score they could possibly have got, mainly because they've cheated, is Alfa Romeo, because they've not actually yeah. released one, so it doesn't really count. Yeah. Question. If that was their release livery, where would you guys have put it? One. 
Oh, uh, wow. Uh, eight. I'd put it eight. I probably would have put top five, I think, because I love the idea of just the count. I love it also as well, how cool Valtteri Bottas and uh, uh, Guan Yu Zhou look with the all black camo livery. Yes. That, that, that looks yeah. cool. <laughs> that does make well, it, but yeah. Number one, and here's why. Let's assume the car runs good and that car starts getting podiums and getting points consistently. Imagine the amount of work that's going to take just to figure out what kind of parts they have in the car. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, was, I was, for a minute, I thought you were going to say, Pedro, imagine if that wins, no one would see it happen. It'd be the first invisible champion. <laughs> it would be Bottas winning. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Now we've got time constraints. I'm going to go on to number nine, which is yeah. I've based this on the pre-Friday te- livery during the test. It's Haas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, yeah. with six points, because I think we've all put it at ninth. Yeah. That's still more points than Massapin. <laughs> <laughs> Five more, to be exact. Yeah. Uh <laughs> And we've all done the same for eighth place. Red Bull. Red Bull. Yeah. And I would say this, today's Haas, the the new non-Russian flag Haas would be above Red Bull for me. Oh, I would have done the same. Barely, just barely. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's close, but yeah. Agreed. Just barely because it's literally a blank car. But yeah, just just because the Red Bull, uh, we talked about it before, it's an iconic delivery, yes, blah, 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 but it's uninspired at this point now. So that's Red Bull with 12 points. We so we've, jumped, we've now we've now cleared the like the bullshit round. Now it gets serious. Yeah. Now now we have in seventh place on twenty nine points. We have Alpha Tauri. Oh, interesting. They got a high a high ranking from me in third. Wow! I, I've really? changed my mind entirely after last week because it looks so good on track. Looks so good. And then he had I think it was Chris had it in sixth and Pedro had it in seventh. I had that. Hmm. Yeah. You will realize right. why you'll realize why it stays seventh in just a minute. The men with it's... hair make the consistent choices. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> in sixth place with 30 points, a whole point more is Alpine. Alpine. Mm, yeah. Which is, I think it was a fifth from Chris, a sixth from Pedro, and a fourth from me. And we're talking about the blue Alpine, right? Not the mainly pink one. Yes, it's the main one, the yeah. blue with pink rather than pink with a tiny little bit of blue. Yeah. That would have been but, well. Uh In fifth place, we have Mercedes on 32 points. Ooh. So, well, you, rank, you rank this higher than I was expecting, Pedro. I was surprised to see yeah. you rank it so high. Man, we got Pedro putting it up in second place. Yes. Yes, and it did. It's unbelievably clean. I love it. It is a clean car, but I think it loses out for me because there's other the other cars are better looking. I think mm-hmm. I think it's it most years it's higher up, but I think this year has been particularly nice to look at. I'm quite glad the ones that I found most difficult to rank are now coming up. After those ones were done, I was like, I, Mercedes, I I was to and to and to and fro. Um, I, I like I lo- I'm loving seeing the silver back, but the ones after this were dead genuinely very difficult for me to rank. Mm-hmm. Because you had, well, we had Chris has Alpha Tauri in sixth. No, what am I talking about? What am I talking about there? I'm on Merck, sorry. 
Uh, yeah, but second for Pedro. We had you on seventh, Chris, didn't we? You ranked it seventh, and I ranked it sixth as well. So we're about, yeah, me and you are on the same page, but I think, yeah. Brothers I can, now agree. I, I can see why Pedro's done that, though. I can see what he's going for. It's just Oh, I, I completely understand why. Oh, yeah, it, I can see the logic brilliantly. Now, what are we going to do? Fourth, it's McLaren on 33 points, one point higher. Oh, wow. So we've got Pedro had McLaren third, Chris had McLaren fourth, and I had them seventh. You did them so low. You did them dirty. It, it, they've lost out because, uh, much like Merck, the other ones are better. Okay. There are better ones out there. Not It's a bad livery. There's better stuff out there. Most seasons, it's higher up. I love seeing it on track, though. Look gorgeous on track. It does look good on track, I'll share. Now, that does mean, in third place... With 38 points, a little bit more of a jump there. It's Williams. Okay. Williams. Yep. Yep. You we ranked had... them very low, Pedro. You had them so low. He had them fifth. <laughs> Ooh. He had them fifth. And I had them fifth. It's because of you having them second, you fool. <laughs> Russell is gone. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> it's my middle name. I can't. <laughs> now, there is a jump here from 38 points to 52. Wow. And it's Aston Martin. There we go. All you need to do is get rid of the pink. So Aston Martin was third for Chris. It was fourth for Pedro. And it was first for me. You beat no the first. Way. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought the next car was going to be your first choice. Uh, it's the reason I put the Aston Martin first is because it works so well on that chassis. It just fits perfectly. And... It therefore means the winner with 68 out of 75 points. It's Ferrari. Mm. Basically, first, first, and second, right? <laughs> Alex is coughing. Yes. So, yes. The yes, Ferrari yes, first, it is. yes, it is. It's first, first, and second. Uh, Pedro and, and myself, we, we picked first, right? Yes. And, and yeah. I, I know it's not that big of a difference. It's just one spot, but I, I, I thought it was going to be unanimous. Hmm. Not quite. I thought exactly the same. When Alex said that it wasn't a full point score, I was surprised because I know Alex, you're a big fan of that Ferrari. Oh, I am. But it just the Aston just wah, it looks so good. Well, that's in going into this. If if we went back in time and said, Hey, you're most you're you're all gonna put the Ferrari at least first or second in your overall liveries, would you have been surprised? Because I would have been wholly shocked. Yeah, I would have been. The last yeah. few years have been awful for Ferraris. Ferraris not been a top. Ferraris not been a top five livery since I've been a fan of Formula One. No. Since, since 2011. Like, since 2011. Good one. <laughs> yeah. But then, but then we had the we had the gorgeous uh, Martini Williams at that point, and also forcing they're still running somewhat of their true colors. Yeah, what, mm, what yeah, you mean by true colors? We were not comparing them to the other to the other cars of that of course year, of right? Course yeah, this Ferrari is one of the best looking F1 cars I've seen. Period. It is just good. It is a lovely, lovely looking machine, and with any luck, it'll be near the front quite a lot. Yeah, I'll be happy to see that. So, Pedro, I congratulate you on making the right choice. Alex just missed off, but you're almost there. <laughs> one last thing is before we uh, send off the show, um, I think. Um, uh, uh, Chris is going to be disappointed because my wallpaper is no longer Tony Stewart. No. Yeah, no. It's just Joseph Newgarden's car. Yeah, oh, I appreciate that. 
Uh, for those of you who um, can't see, obviously, there's a very lovely picture of Joseph Newgarden's car on Pedro's phone. It used to be Tony Stewart's face with his nose taking up most of the screen. Yes, it was not his face. It was essentially <laughs> his... Um, there, there's got to be a name for this part of your face. It's just under the T-zone. Yes. <laughs> a bit of his nose and mostly his temples, if he has any, because his face is quite fat. Um, but yeah. Mm. We had that because he turned up very slick, very cool looking for the Daytona 500 and then was mocked mercilessly by everybody. Yeah. Like even to the stage halfway through the race, they were like, hey, and now we've, got the, we've now got the person who's led the most lap amount of laps who's never won the Daytona 500. And Daytona, the Tony Show was like, that was meant to be my line. <laughs> Let's... Uh... I mean, credit with credits too. The guy won, I think, there's two races at Daytona every year. The 500 and then the 400. He won 10 400s. Oh, but he never won the 500. Couldn't do that extra 100 miles. Won. He won 4,000 miles of the Daytona 500, uh, of the Daytona, and they never, never gave him an inch. <laughs> God bless Tony Stewart. God bless the greatest oh. NASCAR driver of all time. As we, as we end most podcasts, God bless Tony Stewart. We got less than a minute to go, guys. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for subscribing. And if you're on the other side of the world, if you by any chance are listening over in Europe, just stay strong, guys. Um, better days are coming. And I hope we at least made you laugh for a bit. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week.